continuing our um, lessons on prayer uh, this evening, and next week we're going to finish up. Um, tonight we're going to uh, finish what we uh, started last week about uh, some of the principles of prayer. And we uh, got to the point where we're talking about we must pray with thanksgiving. Uh, then after that we're going to talk uh, about the persistence of prayer uh, tonight. And then uh, next week we're going we're gonna to finish up in what I'm calling How God Answers Prayer. And that will be our uh, final lesson next week. I certainly appreciate your patience and the wonderful feedback that I've gotten from all of you about the importance of this uh, series of lessons in prayer. And I certainly want to extend my thank you for allowing me to, to uh, speak to you in, for six weeks in a row on the same subject. But... There's so much material to cover in such a very vitally important topic for the Christian, and that is that of prayer. So let's continue what we started last week, the principles of prayer. We talked about we must pray in faith, we must pray with humility, we must pray in harmony with the will of God, and tonight we want to talk about we must pray with thanksgiving. Certainly we are given many examples in the scripture that we need to pray for th with thanksgiving. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Pray being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4. In verse 2. And certainly we can't overlook the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, where it says, Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Certainly we as Christians have much to be thankful for. We have much to be thankful for to the Lord, and we should tell Him that as we pray to Him and let our petitions and thanksgivings be known to the only true and living God. We as Christians should have an attitude of gratitude. Turn, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. We're going to look at a few verses tonight in relationship to, um, to having um, a good attitude of gratitude toward the things that God blesses us to have. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body to be thankful. We're to be thankful. Notice, if you will, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We have examples of people being thankful and examples of people in the Bible not being thankful for the things that God has blessed us to have. Certainly we need to examine our own lives and realize that there's much for us to be thankful for. And we can do that each and every day of the way we live our lives and being willing and able to give others of our means as we've been prospered, to help others who are less fortunate than ourselves, but also 
to make it known to God that we are indeed thankful for the things that He provides to us. And we can certainly do that through the avenue of prayer. Notice, if you will, one more verse here. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, I'm going to continue reading there, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of men, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now if the Bible links unthankfulness with those types of sin that we see in our lives, then God certainly would condemn us for not being thankful for the things that He provides for us. Amen? Certainly so. And so we as Christians need to have the attitude of gratitude. We should be thankful for all the things that God provides to us and make sure that God knows that we're appreciative of those things as we pray to Him on a daily basis. Lastly, the principles of prayer. We must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, are there any, uh, is there any other comments first before I uh, talk about uh, praying in the name of Jesus Christ that you wanted to add to thankfulness of, to God? Or any other comments? Okay. Sometimes, sometimes I get carried away, Greg, and then I just keep going. Greg uh, wants to say something. I appreciate that. Amen. We, you know, obviously he knows better than I as to what I need and what I don't need, and so sometimes I have to be understanding and be thank, be thankful for the for the things I don't get. I can think of a personal example of myself of things that I was thankful for later on that I didn't realize at the time that I should be thankful for. Um, you know, like uh, when you, I'd gone through a, a bad relationship and had a breakup, and I thought my world was ending. And that's all I wanted to pray about was, you know, Lord, give me somebody, provide, but I wanted it right now. And um, boy, boy, did my patience pay off, I'll tell you that. But I'm thankful for that now, but didn't realize that all of that pain and agony that I was going through then was leading up to something that God had a a whole lot better plan for. So you're right, Greg. Certainly we need to be Uh, thankful sometimes for things we don't even realize at the time we need to be thankful for. That's right. That's right. Yes. And uh, how much does anxiety and worry um, contribute to our overall mentality in life? More than, more than it should, right? <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> so thank you very much for that. Uh, certainly we need to realize those 
things as well. Sometimes God will help us with our present burdens if we don't take the time to thank Him for past blessings. And um, certainly some of those past blessings that God provided to us, at the time we didn't even realize they were blessings. So we need to realize that. So lastly in the principles of prayer, we must pray in the name of Jesus. Praying in the name of Jesus is taught by Jesus himself and he taught this to his disciples as we see examples of that in the book of John chapter 14 and verse 13 and following verses. And also John chapter 16 and verse 23. Praying in the name of Jesus was commanded by Paul to the Christians at Ephesus. If you'll notice there Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. Giving, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see biblical examples of praying in the name of Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit last week about uh, Christ being our high priest, being our, our uh, advocate. We talked about people maybe in our lives that had been advocates for us. And um, praying in the name of Jesus and prayer means one more than simply adding in the name of Jesus at the end of their prayers. We acknowledge Jesus as the only way by which we can accomplish and approach God. Notice if you will John chapter 14 and verse 16. I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. Christ prayed for us. And that's not the verse I wanted to read. You ever do that? Read the wrong verse. I wanted to read John 14 and verse 6. It's like, that's not the right verse. There we go. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now we're talking, right? So no one comes to the Father but through the authority of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I've likened it before to, um, you know, when you, when you pick up the phone and you make a phone call, uh, we used to have to do this. Remember those old rotary phone dials? Don't have to do that anymore. We're fancy now. Just pick it up out of your pocket and do it, right? But when you got when you dialed a wrong number and it said, I'm sorry, the number is disconnected or no longer in service, that's what prayer reminds me of when someone prays without saying in Jesus' name at the end. It's almost like, oh, that was such a good prayer, and then at the end, we didn't give authority by what which we were praying, so our numbers disconnected or no longer in service. That's, that's kind of what I think about when I think about the importance of praying in the name of Jesus Christ. We recognize Him as our high priest who intercedes for us. Notice, if you will, from the book of Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I'll try to read the right verse this time. Beginning in verse 24. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he 
is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Notice those He's and Him's there are all capitalized. There's significance there. The He's and the Him's that are capitalized in that verse are referring to who? What? They're, they're talking about Christ. Specifically Him. Christ is able to save the uttermost of those who come to God through Christ since Christ always lives to make intercession for them. So is it important to pray in the name or by the authority of Jesus Christ? Certainly it is because He is our high priest who intercedes for us. Another example of that is John chapter 14 and verse 13. I'm not going to go there and read that, uh, but just to back up what was said there in the book of Hebrews verse uh, chapter 7 um, in relationship to Christ being our intercessor, our, our um, high priest, if you will. So we recognize certainly the importance of that as well. So in summary, in the principles of prayer, uh, we've examined those uh, things are we must pray in faith, humility, with harmony with, the God's, with God's will, pray with thanksgiving, and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. All of those things are certainly important in our lives as Christians. There's another principle of prayer worthy of careful consideration that we want to look at tonight as well. And that is that we must pray with persistence. We must pray with persistence. A principle of prayer that is very important to Jesus as we're going to see as we look at some of the examples of persistency in the Scripture this evening. Turn, if you will, and we're going to spend some time in the book of Luke tonight. Luke chapter 11 first, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop as we read this. Um, well, actually, I'll read 1 through 10 first, and then we'll go back and cover the specifics of those verses, okay? So Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 10, and then we'll go back and cover those specifically, okay? Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. 
I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. In verse 1 there, we see that we're told of the connection with the request of the teaching of prayer. In verses 2 through 4, it talks about there, the following instruction provides a model for prayer. Now, that's not the prayer that we pray today, is it? There's at least one line in there that we can't pray today, and that's thy kingdom come. Because guess what? The kingdom's come, hasn't it? We're in it today. As a Christian, the kingdom has come. The church is the kingdom of God. And so we don't pray that specific prayer today, but certainly a model prayer and a wonderful example for us. The parable there itself is easy enough to understand, and it's followed with an emphasis of being persistent in asking seeking, and knocking. So we have some examples of persistency in Scripture. If, if you came to someone's door in the middle of the night knocking on their door wanting loaves of bread to, to give to uh, journey uh, people that were journeying through and being in your home and he told you no initially and you kept knocking, do you think maybe he might give you the bread just to get you out of his hair and let him go back to sleep? Well, that's the example that we see there, right? Pretty good example of being persistent. Notice, if you will, now in Luke chapter 18. He doesn't stop there. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. (coughs) Excuse me. Luke chapter 18, the beginning in verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said, to him, to, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, really find faith on earth? The widow was persistent. Told the man always... To, uh, that they ought to pray and not lose heart there in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. The parable itself is illustrating the value of persistent request. 
the man said, the woman's troubling me. I'm going to avenge her because she's troubling me. She's making me weary. That's because she was continuously asking him to avenge her. Adding that God will certainly heed his chosen who cry out day and night, as we see there in Luke chapter 18, verses 6 and through 8. And it's at the end followed by the concern for whether such faith will be found when Christ returns. We're not talking about Him returning to have a thousand year reign or anything like that. Christ is going to return in the clouds one day to call us all up into heaven, those who are obedient and continue to be obedient to the will of God. So if we strive to walk in the light as He is in the light, Persistence is related to having faith in God. And certainly persistence is also noted by Paul in the teachings of the New Testament as well. Notice if you will Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. What does that word steadfastly mean? What do you think it means in relationship to our persistence in prayer? Instant. Yes. Whenever you're in a bad situation, you're immediately ready to pray, aren't you? And we're steadfast in that belief and that prayer, and we do it continuously because we know that whatever's going on in our lives, and most of the time, unfortunately, it's because something bad's going on in our life that we remember to pray. And uh, so we do that in those times of life. But we should be doing that continuously all the time and being instant in our request or our ability to pray. Did I saw a hand somewhere. Tommy? Paul said about praying without ceasing. Yes. It, it's not something, prayer is not something you think of every now and then. It's not something that you just use because you know, to get what you want from God. We as Christians should uh, be prayerful people all the time mm-hmm. and steadfast and diligent in our prayers. And right. uh, when we are that way, uh, we stand a better chance of having God answer our prayers. God already knows what we need before we ask, doesn't he? Our actions can certainly speak that we're thankful to God and the fact that what God provides for us, we're able and willing to provide and share with others. We don't always have a lot, but what we have is already God's, isn't it? So we have to remember that when we come together on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, to give as we've been prospered. And that's not always easy to do for the Christian, is it? Because we've got so many other things that we have to take care of in our lives that sometimes the money doesn't go as far now as it used to, does it? 
I mean, I look today, the gas is up to $3.25 a gallon. So, but yet, the things that God has provided for us, we need to be thankful for those things. And as we look at uh, what God has us to do, <clears throat> when he ever, whenever he commands us to do something, it's always for our good. Yes. And just when we give of our means, it's not because God needs the money, but it's to help us to have a, a correct attitude about uh, benevolence and helping other people. And in our prayers, it helps us to be more humble. Mm -hmm. So there are, there are a lot of things that uh, God will have us to do to better us. That's right. I need plenty of bettering. How about you? Notice, if you will, also in Paul's teachings, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Let's, let's actually go back a verse and read verse 17 so we can show the context a little bit better there. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Certainly, Paul taught persistence and perseverance in prayer as well. You know, you... Uh, heard Tommy mention uh, Paul's writings there to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 to pray without ceasing. And in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 to continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving. How often is persistence mentioned in exhortations to pray? Quite often, huh? And certainly we saw examples there in, in the 11th chapter of Luke and the 18th chapter of Luke and these teachings of Paul in those scriptures that we've looked at this evening. Persistence in prayer must be very important to be stressed so often. Yet we find more than simply teaching and persistence. We also find examples of persistence in prayer. Yes, sir. very first time we asked for it. Yes, sir. But persistence shows that prayer was our benefit and, and not his. That's right. The attitude of prayer benefits us more than what we receive from what we ask. You know, prayer, and along those lines, Brother Joe, is that prayer is therapeutic for us as the Christian, isn't it? When, when you're in a stressed out situation and you take the time to pray and being persistent in your prayer and being having the right attitude in your prayer and humbling yourself in your prayer, it's therapeutic to the Christian to pray. So it, it, you're right. It, the prayer's not just, uh, it's not beneficial uh, it's to God as it is to us. 
because it shows us the right attitude, the right humility, the right persistence that we have in knowing that God loves us and He's listening. And uh, we don't get any arguing back from God, do we? Now, he doesn't always answer like we want Him to. Some, someone said that what you do after you get up from prayer means as much or more than what you said during your prayer. That's very wise. That's very wise. You should be preparing for the things that, uh, especially those things that you've asked God to do for you, you should be preparing for those things uh, to happen or those things to get better in your life and having the faith that goes along with your prayer. So getting up from after you pray and expecting those things and, and accepting that God is in control certainly would give us the right attitude in prayer as well. Juan, did you want to say something? Okay. Um, Jared? Okay. Well, you're welcome to if you'd like to. Okay. context of what we're dealing with here and being mm -hmm. persistent and being uh, consistent in uh, our thought process and our prayers to God, thanking Him and supplications to Him. Mm -hmm. What I haven't figured out, and there's got to be somebody in here a whole lot smarter than me that, uh, that uh, can tell me what this means. JC's up here. We've given two examples there in the book of Luke in 11 and 18, I guess. Yes, sir. Um, about a a comparative example of a judge and a friend who was irritated by the consistent request mm -hmm. and would come over and compare that to us praying to God is he irritated at our consistent request that's no. the exa that's the example we're given so like I say I haven't now don't misunderstand I'm not uh, in any way uh, uh, saying that there's a negative connotation about God's character. Absolutely not. Right. Yeah, I understand and that. So what is, what is the comparative example that uh, for us that these two providers of something were irritated by the requester compared Je to God giving us what we want? Jesus and Paul. We're going to talk about them in just a second and their persistence in prayer and specifically what they were praying for, and we know that God wasn't angry with them or, um, or agitated with them in their persistence of what they prayed for. I understand, but the examples were given, the provider was irritated. Yes, they were. They were. So what is the example to us relative to our dealing with God when those providers were irritated? That, that's really my what I'm puzzled I, about. I understand. We'll see if we can't give some input into that. Anybody want to give any input now? Jared's got something to say. Well, I mean, I might respond to that first in saying that maybe the example there is, is not that God is irritated like the judge, but similar to the example of, and I can't think of the passage, but I'm sure there's some who can, but that if 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 we love people who love us, that we're just like the Gentiles because even they do that, but we should love people who are our enemies. And an example here with the judge that even in 
a judge who has no respect for men or no respect for God with the persistence is willing to answer. So how much more would God be ready to answer his children who he loves and who he does care about? So it's, you know, it's an exaggeration of we have an even better relationship with a just God and a just judge that he will be even more readily available to us. Um, so that, I don't know if that is a uh, reasonable response, but the thing I was going to say before about the persistence is that I think it's interesting, too, that a lot of these passages that you mention talk a lot about or refer a lot about kind of to the mission of the Christian, that there's that larger goal um, at hand, and that I think oftentimes we lose in the church, I know my generation especially, lose that urgency that we are soldiers of Christ and that Mm -hmm. there is an urgent message to be gotten out and that there are people who are who are lost and and that we have a role to play as the members of the church and that that I think if we understand and are active workers and soldiers in that mission that prayer becomes an extremely important aspect of that and that if we feel that urgency there is that need to talk to God and to and to constantly be um, you know communicating with him about what we're working towards and what how we're trying to grow um, so I, I don't think we can just say to be persistent, but we also have to be focused um, on our mission. That's right. And the wonderful example that Jim gave in his invitation tonight, um, it kind of goes along with this as well, in the fact that um, that we, uh, well, I forgot what I was going to say now. forgot what I was going to say. Huh? Well, our, our approach and the words that we use uh, to God uh, in, in that relationship. Um, let's, let's talk a, a little bit about examples of persistence in prayer to kind of, uh, I'm going to get to a little bit more answer to, to Ron's question or comment, rather. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was persistent in his prayer. Was he not? Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36. When Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh, Father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And, it, and it, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? 
Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the same words, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Notice, if you will, now in Hebrews chapter 7, I mean Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, in relationship to that. Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. If Christ is a proper example to us and he was persistent in praying as we should be, then I would think that that's a good example for God being a just God. And, and, and basically what he said was, you've got to do this, son. I've got to allow you to bear this cup. Because in you bearing this cup and going to the cross, the world will be saved. And so Christ, so Christ was there being persistent in his prayer, asking if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. And God's answer was, no, there isn't any other way. That's, that's what I think of when I talk about the persistence in prayer. Notice, if you will, also Paul and his thorn in the flesh. How many times did Paul pray that his thorn in the flesh be removed? Now, there's all kinds of theories of what that thorn in the flesh was. But Paul endured the infirmity of persecution, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He prayed three times that it might be removed. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8 tells us, And it was not. The Lord provided to Paul what he needed, and his thorn in the flesh didn't need to be removed, did he? Although he was persistent in his prayer. So... In, in relationship to the comment that you made, Ron, I would think that God by no means was uh, agitated with uh, the fact that Christ and Paul were persistent in their prayer. And, I, and, and maybe it would have been better to use these as examples instead of using Luke chapter 11 in, verse, in, in chapter 18. But I think it ties in nicely with this and in uh, relationship to the prayer of the Christian. Right. Right. And I, I can't say that I completely... Yeah, I can't say that I completely do either, Ron. Jim? pointing out the contrast 
He's pointing out the contrast. Did y'all get that one? Yeah, okay. uh, I got it all. Me so far, okay. Four times contrast. <laughs> uh, he's po he's <laughs> pointing out the contrast between an, uh, uh, a judge who is worldly and has no interest in spiritual matters at all, uh, really. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a crooked judge, potentially. He's talking about how even someone of that nature, because of her persistence, uh, complied. But the contrast is if someone of that nature will comply with a request because she is so persistent, how much more will God, in his perfect goodness and justice, comply with our persistence, even though even though he may not answer immediately. Mm -hmm. So let us not think that, that because he doesn't answer immediately that there's a problem. He will do what is best for us, but we should be persistent knowing that he will do the right thing at the right time and that his failure to answer in timely fashion, as we might view it, in no way, in no way um, cast any aspersions upon uh, him, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. or uh, upon, uh, or should it discourage us from being <laughs> persistent? But, but so I think it's rather, I think of the rather, and if I understood what Jared was saying, that's what he was saying. It, it points out that if an unjust judge will comply with persistence, how much more will a just judge comply with persistence? And he'll do it in the right way at the right time. But I also think, too, another point that we need to appreciate is that in parables, there is generally one basic general uh, lesson to be, uh, to be gleaned from it, and that it wouldn't necessarily be a major point that the, just, the judge in that parable was unjust versus, and there wouldn't be a parallel, obviously, mm -hmm. there, as we well know, but that, you know, a parable generally has one basic, uh, one basic uh, lesson that we're to draw uh, uh, from it as well. As, as we've said before, parables, an uh, earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and, uh, and you're right uh, in, in many like uh, he, aspects. Like the parable of the prodigal son mentions music and dancing, mm -hmm. but that does not justify dancing, nor does it mean that the Lord endorsed uh, dancing or that the modern dance or any kind of dancing of that nature would be endorsed simply because the Lord in the parable said that the prodigal or that the elder son heard music and dancing. That's just simply a, a point in the parable that's incidental, that's right. incidental. Uh, I'm not saying that the point about the unjust judge is necessarily incidental, but I think it's there for contrast, if anything, rather than, uh, rather than a parallel, rather than a similarity, it's a contrast. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good. And point. in fact, I think when you compare Luke 11 uh, and what follows your illustration in Luke 11, when he says, "If a father, if a child asks for a father for a stone, or I mean for an egg, will he give him a stone, that's et cetera, right. et cetera?" Obviously, a father. Uh, in that case, he's talking about a father who will who will comply the best way he can. How much more will the heavenly Father give? Uh, in this case, he says the Holy Spirit to those who ask him in that context. Mm -hmm. But I think the point is, is still the same as with the unjust judge. It's just that in the unjust judge parable, the contrast is even more striking that he's pointing out there. Right, and I, and I, and I believe that along those lines that, 
the persistence that we see in examples of, of Christ and Paul and others in Scripture of, of doing that continuously and doing that persistently is an example for us to build on in relationship to that as well. Certainly the rest of uh, Luke chapter 11 there in talking about the Father is, uh, is a, a wonderful example of, of the Christian in our relationship with the Father, with, with God. Father. Well, in Luke 18, 7 says, And shall not God avenge his elect that cry to him day and night, and yet he is long-suffering over them? That's right. And that gets back to answering in due time based upon his infinite wisdom. So let's not think that because he doesn't answer us right away that there's, uh, there's any problem. Right. He knows best. And, and I like that, that he's long-suffering with us. That's very true. Well, we have ran out of time. Thank you so much for your attention. Who has our closing prayer? Foster. Uh, thank you so much for your attention.